Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. But right now, it is not a coaching clinic. It is winning time, and I am back with Mr. Lady Cat himself, Mr. Casey Hall. Mr. Hall, how are things in West O tonight? It's only, what, about 98 degrees at your place right now? Uh, it might be warmer than that. I remember last <laughs> night I was out mowing in the dark because I was trying to get it done before it, why it was somewhat cool. But yeah. yes, it's extremely hot out here. <laughs> we are in uh, we are in Omaha, of course, and we are in the midst of the biggest heat wave we have had since 2012, I believe, is what they said. And uh, today, when I got out of the school building. Uh, one of our local new, uh, weathermen said that the heat index, it, it felt like 116 degrees outside. So that's what we're dealing with here in Omaha. It's going to last uh, two or three more days. By, by Thursday, it's going to break. And then by Friday, we'll kind of get back to some normal temperatures. But it is blistering hot in the heartland of America right now. And you are a brave man for going out and mowing that lawn in that heat, buddy. Hey, I needed to get done. I'd waited long enough, so yeah, took a little longer than usual. Usual to get water breaks and everything going, <laughs> but and survive and just try to get my catch my breath in that heat. That's for sure. Uh, you mean you didn't stare at it and the and the lawn just mowed itself? It didn't happen. <laughs> I wish that would have happened. <laughs> Me too. I've I've tried that trick for about uh, twenty years of home ownership, and it's never worked. So uh, such is life. Such is life. So, well, hey, Casey, let's jump in on the episode here. The Second Coming, episode number 13 of Winning Time, season two, episode three. Uh, A little bit of a different episode than what we've had. Now, I uh, I had had some things going on last night and could not watch the episode on Sunday night. So, uh,. I had to wait until today after school to watch it, and Casey texted me a couple of things. I'm like, don't spoil it, don't spoil it, don't tell me anything. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to talk about this with you here, uh, Case. We we haven't said anything about it to each other. Um, let's just let's just start there, Casey. What were your thoughts on this particular episode? Um, it was not one of my favorites. Um, it's, it's for the season for sure. I mean, uh, I. It's probably the lowest out of the three that we've had so far. Agreed. Um, lots of storytelling. Yep. And backtracking more than more than basketball or on the court stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing. I was kind of hoping we'd start taking a turn and. They probably wish they would have skipped over a few things they talked about and went ahead and jumped into the next NBA season. Yeah, I see. Because you know just as well as I do, Casey, that Magic and Larry are tied together at the hip historically. It's like uh, peanut butter and jelly, you know, Ulysses S. Grant and Robert E. Lee, um, you know, Ruth and Gehrig, you know, those types right. of things. Um, Mark Kruger and Mike Shashevsky, you know, just tied together yep. at the hip. Yes. So, uh, but uh, sorry, Krugs had to throw that in there. Uh, but you know, I, I I thought that there were some aspects of it that I liked with the storytelling. I didn't mind the Larry Bird 
backtracking, you know, this is kind of his story in seven or eight minutes, you know, and we've spent a lot of time talking about magic, and obviously it's a magic and, and Lakers-centric show. That's the purpose of it. But I, I thought it was good that people who were not familiar with the Larry Bird story, I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world to um, to go back there and, and take a look at him dropping out at Indiana after six weeks, uh, his father's suicide, uh, all of those things, him ending up in Indiana State, and uh, just, just all of those scenes that they had kind of telling his story. I was okay with that part of it. How about you? I was okay with some of it. Now the big thing is, is how are they going to build off of it? Uh huh. How far are we going to move up in uh, years of the basketball when they when they're playing each other in the finals almost every year? Yeah. And they're like, how are they going to build off of this? I mean, I know we're getting the Larry background and everything, but I kind of wish they would have stuck with the. Laker background and kind of left us hanging a little bit before they started the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, there's things that again I could I could deal without, and you know, three guesses in the first two don't count for for those that listen. What I yeah. could move on from, but we'll get to that when we get to that point. Uh, I thought, I thought, thirty eight minutes of the 46-ish minutes of the episode where, like, okay, I see this is a little bit of filler here. Um, we're, we're, we're connecting some dots here that hopefully are going to pay off in the next couple of episodes. But I agree with you, Casey, that of our three episodes so far, I would rank this a distant third from the other two. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, interesting character twist, I guess, what is the deal with Paul Westhead? I don't know. He's uh, he's uh, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Yes, yes. I I actually had this written down here. Is he being overconfident, or is he paranoid, or both? And I, and I don't know. I, if it's, oh, go ahead. And I I agree. I don't know which one it is, or where he's at, or what he's trying to do. And I've got a couple things marked down that'll we'll go into when we start talking about categories, but I was like, okay, he gone from an English teacher to kind of knowing basketball to pretty much Pat Riley helping him out Mm -hmm. to understand the game a little more to now being pretty much, an ass and trying to run the whole organization. Yeah. Yeah. And and now it, it reminds me of the guy, you know, the stereotypical guy who talks and uses big words to hide that he's really not as smart as what he thinks he is, you know, yeah. or what, what he truly is. Excuse me. And, and that's where I see this at is, is he is, uh, he is just, you know, I, I, you can't figure him out from one scene to the next. You know, he's in the boardroom, and then you know he's accusing Riley of going behind his back. Where, again, I can't. You know, he didn't call Riley into the meeting uh, that they that they had to discuss Mitch Kupchak. Uh, but I, I, I just, I just don't. I, yeah, I just don't know 
what we're getting from. And I, and, and I think for me, it's probably more of the paranoia than it is overconfidence. I think overconfident or a paranoia is driving him to act in a way that he would not normally act like it's it's not i think the true him was in season one and the way he was as a person and a, and a human being but i think uh the losing and and i think even at the high school level casey sometimes we go through that a little bit of paranoia of what is this parent saying about me or what does this administrator really think of me and you know you gotta remember these guys are human beings just like you and i and and so maybe there is something there with riley that he thinks that Riley's after his job or that he thinks that uh, the, the chemistry got screwed up because of the uh, Norm Nixon uh, trade rumors for David Thompson and things like that. So, But that, that was another thing that just jumped out to me was just, he, just you never know what you're getting from him from scene to scene. Yeah, like I said, I think Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde just completely change, changes by the minute. Yep. Yep, yep. So, anything else on your overall thoughts, Casey? Nope, I think we hit pretty much everything so far. All right. So, best scene of the episode. I have two. I only have two nominees. I don't think there were any really bad scenes. I I like it when they connect uh, Magic and Cookie together in the way that they did it in this episode with just a couple of long-distance phone calls rather than talking casts or, or things like that. Uh, so I like that better, but I, I thought my two favorite scenes of this episode were the argument that Westhead and Riley got into in in uh, Westhead's office after the meeting about Mitch Kupchak, and then I really enjoyed the scene with uh, Larry Bird and Red Auerbach at Larry's house uh, after the NCAA game or whatever, and Larry's trying. What Auerbach really wanted this has been documented multiple places, is Auerbach wanted Bird to sign with the Celtics right after the NCAA championship game because technically they had his rights because they did he did draft him the year before. Right. And he wanted him to play in the playoffs that year was the plan. So, he, you know, they get done with the NCAA tournament first weekend in April and the NBA playoffs start three weeks later, and he wanted Bird to play in the playoffs with the Celtics like three weeks later, but Bird Bird didn't want to. Uh, he wasn't going to do that. And, and I know, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a true story, uh, that he did want that to happen, and that's uh, why Red was kind of, you know, he had to convince him to sign, and there were, there were some rumors that Larry was not going to, you know, he leveraged it to where he was going to get the money that he wanted uh, and to, to play it, just like any normal ath- modern athlete would uh, right. he used his leverage there, but uh, that's what uh, that's what yeah that's what Red wanted him to do originally was was to do that. So those are my two those are my two scenes. I don't uh, there weren't a, there weren't a lot of bad scenes. There weren't a lot of great scenes. It was just all kind of a decent scene one after another that you know went in that direction. That that was my read on the episode. So uh, what were some of your favorite ones? I had two that I liked. Um, kind of goes off your Riley and Westhead argument. I had the scene before that where Jerry loses his mind on uh, Westhead about wanting Cupcheck and uh-huh. getting his person to go do all this scouting and stuff. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was, I just, Jerry just losing his mind every episode a couple times. It's, and it's great. It's good. It's good. It's so good. 
so that was that was my first one and then i liked when uh larry showed up larry bird showed up at indiana state for his tryout yeah yeah i should ask i should have added that one yeah jeans and his boots and pretty much said just keep track how many points i score Uh uh-huh and goes out and just lights it up so not to flip the categories around too much but larry bird epic trash talker in the history of the nba and the history of basketball and i thought with them taking the kind of five two-minute scenes to string this all together his backstory that uh that was really funny to watch i should have added that as a third one that's my fault uh and and i just loved him talking trash and and you get sucked into uh on on a facebook or a twitter you know here's a here's a minute and a half of larry bird just being awesome and um you know just the, the stories that people tell about his trash talk. like i remember uh you remember a guy named xavier mcdaniel that played for the supersonics uh, yep. And the Knicks, bald. And the uh, Knicks, yeah. Yep, yep. They were, Sonics were up one with like three seconds left, and Bird came out of the huddle. He said, I'm going to go, I'm going to cut here, go right here, I'm going to catch, I'm going to turn, I'm going to hit the game winner. And boom, 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 lets it fly from about 18, 20 feet. Little Dirk Nowitzki, you know, one-legged shot, hits it, and they're just like, that's that's a, that's a crazy deal. That's a crazy yeah. deal. So, um I should have added that one too. So, um, you know what? Let's go with that one. Let's have that one be our favorite scene. Was uh, Larry trying out in the jeans for Indiana State? How's that sound? Yeah, that works. Okay. Coaches, put it on your calendar right now. Saturday, October 14th, Sunday, October 15th, 2023. The first annual A Pen and a Napkin Fall Coaches Retreat here in Omaha. We've got a little bit of everything for everybody. We are going to start our day 10 a.m. Saturday morning with a live practice session with Kirk Walker and the College of St. Mary's women's basketball program here in Omaha. Then we're going to move everything to the Holiday Inn Express here in Omaha, 87th and Dodge. We've got a lot of things planned. We've got speakers like myself talking about 25 universal truths in coaching along with practice planning and a practice uh, planning and efficient practice. We've got Jeff Steinis, the boys assistant coach at Ames, Iowa, talking about building a complete program. We've got Tyler Shaw, the girls head coach at Sydney, Nebraska, talking about coaching cheat codes. And we've got Tom Cray talking about transition basketball and transition offense and the Boys Town way of doing things out of Boys Town here in Omaha. The best thing about a pen and a napkin clinics, though, is the interactive part of it. We've got small group coaching roundtables where you're going to pick the brains of three or four other coaches at the same time. Then we're going to have big group discussions. You're going to come up and you're going to have to talk. When you come to a pen and a napkin clinic, you've got to bring your own ideas. We're going to have a situation score discussion on Saturday night. Sunday morning, we're going to have a basketball smorgasbord session where we're going to talk about issues that coaches need to think about off the floor and how things can derail you off the floor and how to prepare for those type of things. So it's going to be a great weekend at a very, very affordable rate. If you would like to stay overnight at the Holiday Inn Express, it's $175 for everything, your room, your food, your drinks, everything that we've got going on, you're going to be taken care of there. If you're a commuter, it's $100, $100. All of this, it's, it's 26 hours, coach. It's 26 hours of awesome awesome information and again the best thing about it is you are going to be picking the brains and learning from other coaches you're not just going to be sitting there getting lectured to the entire time we're going to be moving around so 
hotel rooms. We need to have at least 10 rooms filled. I'm sorry, five rooms filled with 10 uh, boarders by September 15th. That's my cutoff date. So if you want this to happen, get signed up now so we fill up those five hotel rooms with at least 10 coaches. Commuters, you got till October 12th to get signed up and ready to go. Coaches, you're not going to regret this. There's a lot of really good places to go, but I really think we do it really well here at A Pen and a Napkin. So come check out our first annual A Pen and a Napkin Fall Coaches Retreat. Um, worst scene of the episode, Mr. Hall, I'll let you go first. Um, I had a, I had just two. I had Jerry Buss when he bought the flowers for Honey and took her, took her there. I'm like, okay, we understand he's in love with her we don't need to go into depth and all this stuff yeah and i had the it was kind of it kind of will probably build up as the season goes on or as the series goes on but genie bus when she got home and they were playing monopoly and she had to get home Uh uh, to do that that was kind of another scene i mean i know where they're going with it just trying to build her storyline yep but I don't know if we're there yet, and I know we got to get a little backstory, but that was just, I'm kind of tired of the whole kids thing a little bit. See, I would I would take the kids thing over the the honey storyline, yeah. uh, the girlfriend storyline. Yeah, I know. I would take that over the yeah. honey storyline, too. But those are the two scenes that just kind of, the honey ones kind of, drive me nuts and i'm kind of sitting here like are they going to get married and then is this going to be his wife but i don't think it is well unless it oh go ahead unless it's like i mean they maybe ch- probably change the name then mm-hmm. i'm assuming because like last week you said we talked about the model that is supposed to be kind of portrayed in this i'm assuming yeah he ends up uh and, and I, i'll take a quick look here uh he ends up having kind of this common law wife uh, that uh, Karen Demel, and he has two more children with him, Joey, with her, excuse me, Joey and Jesse, along with uh, John, Jim, and Jeannie, and, and, mm-hmm. and then Janie. So, uh, so yeah, I, I I agree with you. There's there's so much meat on the bone with the actual story and going into things. Give me give me three more minutes of Larry Bird coming in with the Celtics and turning the Celtics right. around or something along those lines. It, it, it's just a storyline that's kind of ran its course. So um, I like, yeah, I had another Genie Bus episode as far as the worst episode. And, again, we know... We we know what happens here. Jeannie ends up winning basically the Game of Thrones between her and her brothers uh, for for control of the Lakers. And I think part of what they're showing is the two brothers are not qualified. The only thing that makes them qualified is that they're they're guys and, you know, so forth and so on. But uh, Jeannie trading John's girlfriend to get Martina Navratilova. Um, No, I don't care. I don't care. That's that's the trade you make. If you can get Martina Navratilova, you get her. You know, so yeah. Uh, but that was that was pretty cold though too, as well. So um, the other epi- or the other scene that I did not like was I, I wrote this down like this, Casey. The entrapment of Norm Nixon and by by Doctor Bus and Magic, and they're kind of you know Magic's kind of circling him like a, a buzzard, and you know. Just kind of 
creepy and you know the way it played out was kind of unnecessary like i've said before uh the last couple of weeks norm and magic and dr bus actually ran around together quite a bit according to the book second reference to the book i think that is seven overall if we combine that so uh no there was actually a, a long weekend where dr bus went out to vegas with magic and norm and they partied it up for a whole weekend together the three of them so you know, it, it just seems like, a, a again, kind of artificially painting Norm Nixon as the bad guy. And we eventually, you know, again, if you're familiar with the story, if you're familiar with the 80s basketball, we know what's going to happen to Norm here in a couple of seasons. And probably by the end of this season, television-wise, we know what's going to happen to him. So uh, I, I think that's part of what they're setting up. But I just didn't like the way magic was like i said just stalking him and and he got set yeah. up and and that type of deal that that's i did like that so that's they kind of they kind of bombarded him there on that last scene yes a little bit like is that true i don't that that was not in the book that particular okay. thing that's um, what i wondered i and maybe you said that and i missed that but i could i was like that doesn't seem like something that would happen, but maybe it did. Yeah, I, I imagine it was more settled. Now, like I told you last week, you know, Nixon was pretty infamous for being a leaker to the press, and he was not afraid to share his feelings and to be quoted as a source. So that part of it was realistic, but I, I got to, you know, you've got to think that, you know, I thought Don Corleone and was was going to come around the corner here with Luca Brazzi or something like that at one point. So, um, so that's what I didn't like about it. You know, if I wanted to watch the Godfather, I'd watch the Godfather, you know, just me. So, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Basketball realism, grade the basketball realism and why not a lot of basketball in this, uh, in this episode, per se, just a few clips of Larry, and I gotta say this: let's 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 jump on the Larry Bird train here for just a second here, Casey. I think right. the guy that is portraying Larry Bird is really good. He does yeah. a good job, and he he made a few plays. You know, he's got the Larry Bird shooting motion down pretty well. He kind of made a few of Larry Bird moves in the in the Indiana State scrimmage where he kind of does the fake one way tight spin around like it's it's awkward but he's great at it because he's done it a million times and and so i uh i was really impressed with you know that part of the basketball realism they've re- they they have done a really good job of nailing magics and kareem and larry's mannerisms and imitating the way that they played they they've done a really good job of that in the series, and, and yeah, I they, this was they really did a good job with their skill set and showing what they, how athletic they were on the basketball floor. I guess you could say, mm-hmm. yeah, and the play they made. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you give for the basketball realism? I, I mean, I think like the Larry stuff. Like we all know, like his family, and then him leaving Indiana and not going to school, then getting talked into go to Indiana State and NBA stuff. I thought that was good. Um, just kind of setting that storyline up. Like I said, hopefully they build off of it even more um, to get the rivalry shown even more. Mm-hmm. And then I thought um, dealing with the finances the Lakers were with mm-hmm. 
paying magic, trying to trade people to make the team better. If they're going to cut somebody, if they're going to trade somebody, I thought that was pretty real. I mean, those were the two, I mean, that was kind of where the base of the movie was anyway, Mm -hmm. or not the movie, the episode was, but, um, I thought it was a B to a C. Yeah. Like realism wise. Um, I mean, I bet I don't, the thing is, I don't know if we know, and you might know more reading the book, like if all the other storyline parts or bits and pieces really actually did happen. So with, like, did he call, I mean, he probably did have conversations with cookie, but did it happen like that? Or yeah, like when he was running that little kid's camp, did he have nightmares of people saying that to him? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like some of that stuff is real shaky. Cause you don't know how much it's true. Or is that just filler to get the episode to go a total of 46 minutes or whatever? Yeah. Uh, the, the stuff about, and I gave it a B minus as well. Uh, I, I thought, uh, so we were right in the same ballpark there, Mr. Hall. So, uh, you know, the Larry Bird stuff, they did a pretty good job with again. Um, the 25 years, 25 million, obviously that really did happen. There was a massive pursuit for Mitch Kupchak after the 81 season. Uh, they wanted some insurance for Kareem. They felt like they needed a bigger uh, bruiser to, to play along with Kareem, and, and they thought Kubchak would would do a pretty good job. He had been beaten up uh, throughout his career, but he was coming off uh, a really good season. Um, he was coming off a really good season. Get this, the Lakers had a late-round draft pick, and the guy that Jerry West wanted to draft, imagine this guy with the run-and-gun Lakers of the 80s. Larry Nance. Remember Larry Nance? Yeah. Yeah. That's who Jerry West wanted to draft, but instead they drafted Omaha's own Mike McGee. Uh, and that was a that was a Jerry Buss move, and he screwed that up, and he said and Jerry Buss never got involved in the draft ever again after that. He let the basketball people do the basketball job. That was his that was his big screw up. So um, so I gave it a B minus. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think here. Uh, Red trying to get Larry to sign. Yep. Uh, Bill Hodges was the guy that actually discovered, um, or not, didn't discover Larry Bird, but talked him into going to Indiana State. And then uh, going into Larry's senior year, the the head coach resigned to do something. I forget what it was. And Bill Hodges took over, and he was actually the, the coach of that 78-79 Indiana State team. That was his first year as a head coach, and they finished in the national championship game. And and so I, I gave it a B-. minus. I thought the basketball realism all things considered, they, they hit the key points in a positive way that I thought was that I thought was really good. Yeah, or, or solid, solid without yeah, as much it was basketball. Okay. Yeah, it was okay what they did with it um, for not seeing a ton of basketball played on during this episode. Yes, yes. So uh, the Spencer Haywood, who made the most out of the '80s and survived award. I uh, I'll go first on this one. Mr. Larry Joe Bird and the amount of Budweiser he was throwing down, quite impressive. Quite impressive. And he was a big fan of Budweiser. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a crazy. uh, We we see guys today, 
out playing or you know they're they're doing their their trainer stuff and they're doing this and doing that uh larry bird very famous or infamously would go back to french lick in the summer and he'd play like in the summer slow pitch league around town like the you know I don't know if he's any Casey Hall on the on the church league type uh, of a deal. He might be. He's probably a little more athletic than I am. <laughs> but yeah, he was he was a church or he was a slow pitch softball shortstop in the off season when he would go back to French Lick. So, uh, so I there wasn't anybody that went really crazy this week. Uh, but I, I thought I'd throw the Larry Bird in just for uh, just for the amount of Budweisers he was throwing down uh, throughout this episode. I thought that was I thought that was appropriate. So, what'd you have? I had Larry Bird, okay. kind of like what you had, just kind of the way he's just ho humming it, uh-huh. like no nothing nothing great. He was always like, "All right, I'll go ahead and crack a cold one and be good to go." Um, so I had him down. The other one I kind of had. He had a quick two minute. Um, scene was Jones. Oh yeah, when he got traded. When he got traded. Yep. He he just lost it. I I thought that was great. Like just random person. Like that's something Spencer Haywood would have done for no. <laughs> so so in in Spencer's abstentia, you're giving it to Jim Jones. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. I can respect that choice. I can respect that. I I see where you're coming from there. So. Um, the Paul Westhead DNPCD, who should not have been in this episode. I think we might have the same answer, my friend. Go ahead, you you name it, and I'll probably, I'll probably agree with you. Winnie the Pooh's favorite thing to eat in the whole wide world. Yep, honey, honey. Yep, yep. She's she's starting to hurt the episodes more than make them make them better. Yes. Uh, she does not need to be there in order to. I, again, I personally, uh, and I've you know reiterating what I said earlier, I have no issue with her or with the bus family stuff and and Jeannie running the strings and having John and Jim kind of being yahoos, you know, kind of immature party guys, whatever. Uh, I get that angle of it because there's a means there, there's an end to the storyline with that, but I, I'm just not seeing it. Uh, honey, I'm sure whoever the actress is that's portraying you, I'm sure you're a very nice lady and all those things. But there, again, there's enough meat on the bone. This is not a storyline that we need to go down. Yep. And, and and I don't think they need to to do it to push the Doctor Bus character forward because I think he can stay involved with the team and do all well, that we, other you stuff. Know, I mean, we already know the history of what he's going to do. I mean, he's going to. He's going to be a huge part of what they continue to build over the next. Yep. How many years? Yeah. Years yep. and years. And years. Yep. So, I don't know. Um, I think we're in agreement. I think you hear this. Yeah. You hear that? That's us beating that dead horse. That that dead horse yep. is is done, and we are ready to move on from it. So, coaches, do you want to look good? Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. 
Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. Best quote I have one, two, three, four. I have four of them. Uh, one of them is definitely my favorite, but I've got a great story about another one of the quotes here, but I will let you lead and then I'll, I'll kind of roll from there. All right. I've got, I got three or four here that I thought were pretty good. Okay. Um, one from cookie. I thought was, that was good. If they can't commit to you, why are you committing to them? Like it? Yep. I, I thought that was good when she's talking about magic, about the contract, him wanting more money and wanting to stick around longer. Yep. Thought that was very good. Um, Larry Bird had a couple. Um, thought you said there'd be competition. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He, when he got done playing in the in the scrimmage, um, don't like what you see or what was it? Something like uh, don't lose track of me scoring mm-hmm. i can't remember the first part of that but that yep. was one of them and then i had two more uh red every day or when um larry asked red if he would if he would draft him still and he goes yep. every day twice on twice on sunday because you're a celtic yep i thought that was really good and it kind of shows red's personality that he was true to somebody yep if he, if he drafted him yep and then the last one was when um, I don't remember it was John or Jim that said this to Jeannie, but you can bring home a hundred trophies, but you'll never be the fav- dad's favorite son. But you'll never be the favorite son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that was those were those were the quotes that I liked. Okay, throughout the episode. All right, so I've got a couple somewhat in common with you. Uh, you were talking about how Cookie told Magic, if they're not committing to you, why are you committing to them? You know, yeah. And then later on in the episode, uh, Dr. Buss told Claire, you know, it's not about basketball, it's about people. And, you know, our job as coaches is it's, a, it's all about people and treating people well and making sure that they are, uh, we've got everybody involved and everybody rowing the boat in the same direction, PJ Fleck. And so I, you know, I really like that one. I really like that one. Um, the Jerry West, uh, blow up, you know, (laughs) that nutty professor is liable to blow this whole team up. Um, he, he, he threw that one out during the, uh, during the conference room meltdown, uh, which I giggled at that one a lot. So if, if we could just, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I just want to record on my phone what he says. And then we just play that part through the podcast because there's gotta be at least two or three little comments he says in there that are just perfect. And you could tell. I think the guy's name is Jason Clark that plays him. He's just having a blast, man. I like oh, like God. wouldn't that be awesome to just go in and just 
act like that. I mean, you know, I know he's acting, but just be able to play a character uh, in that vein. So, and, and obviously, it's a it's a little bit of exaggerated one. So, um, I've got another one here. Do you remember the scene at Magic's camp? And you were talking about how he was like dreaming about Bird and all this other stuff and daydreaming or whatever. And it's Magic and it's and it's Michael Cooper. And then there's a, a big white guy there named Mark Landsberger. And he was kind of infamous, like when in in the when you see Doctor J do the up and under around uh, the basket stanchion and make that reverse layup. Uh, oh yeah, that's Mark Landsberger that he's going around there. And there are just some awesome stories. So book reference number eight here, and I'm actually going to read something uh, from from the book. Um, and I'm going to try and not laugh as I read this, but this is really funny. So uh, this is from page 195. Um, he was not smart. He was not the most intelligent. So he said uh, in the this the reason why I thought of it was in the in the camp. He said, you know, Magic said, hey, why don't you go shoot some layups? And Landsberger goes. Come on, kids. Layups are important. You know, and just kind of in this goopy voice. So here's the story from the book. Um, Landsberger's stories come in all shapes and sizes. There was a time, for example, when the Lakers promotional department sent Landsberger to a local supermarket to meet the fans. A boy approached with a team poster. Can you sign your name and number, he asked. Why do you want my number, Landsberger asked. I'd just like to have it, he replied. Okay, said Landsberger, sighing. And he proceeded to scribble M-A-R-K-L-A-N-D-S-B-E-R-G-E-R in script, then added 310-750-6728. He gave him his phone number instead of his uniform number. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I guess when you've never signed an autograph, I guess that's what uh so uh, you know when he said that come on kids layups are important um that that made me think of that story from the book Uh, oh my god yeah i gotta throw i gotta throw that one out here in tonight's episode so uh, i thought that was funny so um i have one more quote and uh relate and i think this will lead us into the coaching points here uh in the meeting with and, and you referenced this where uh Red goes to Larry's place in, in Terre Haute. Um, and another quote that I liked from their conversation, I like the one that you said. I also like this one. Um, if you hate to lose more than you like to win, you can be a Celtic or something along those lines. And I think sometimes as as competitors, you do have to have a bit of that mindset. You get to a certain point. Now, you can't do it every day. But at some point, you've got to hate to lose more than you like to win to really achieve some things from time to time. And I thought that was um, a really interesting quote to summarize the mentality of both Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. You could just see how eating or uh, how losing just ate both of them up. And they were keeping an eye on one another. You know, at the end where Larry gets out that scrapbook and he sees Magic uh, did, you know, Magic beats Bird for the title or whatever. You know, that's very true that those guys just watched each other from 3,000 miles away and they kept track of each other every single day of what the other one was doing because they knew they were compared to one another. So uh, I really like that one in that conversation as well, Casey. Yeah, that was a good one. I kind of forgot about that one. Mm. But you're right. I mean, they losing makes you want to win more, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
coaching points and concepts you're going to steal from this episode. I've got three. How many do you have? Um, I've kind of got one slash two that kind of tie in together a little bit. Okay. Um, I'll start with one here first. Let's let's uh, let's uh, ping pong it back and forth here. Okay. okay. All right. Um, having hard conversations with players is a must. And and I do think now again the way they portrayed it, the way Magic was stalking the table, I didn't like that part of it. But the conversation with Norm needed to happen. Um, he was not going to understand that he was going to be second fiddle to Magic unless he was directly informed, either brutally, honestly, or as it was insinuated. You know, you are not going to be Magic. Magic is the guy, and you're just going to have to figure... You're either going to have to coexist with him, or like Dr. Buss said, I can send you anywhere in the league. They would love to have you as a player, Norm. And that's a great compliment to you, but, you know, some things have got to change. And, you know, I do think one of the good things I liked about this episode was was Dr. Buss was trying to do his homework. What happened this season? What happened at the end of the year? Why did this happen? Uh, you know, and, and he was talking to Sharman, he was talking to West, he was talking to Westhead, he was talking to Riley, he was talking to players, and that does some show some good leadership. Now, uh, how he handled some of the other things, you know, could be done differently, but you know, those are those are tough conversations that we have to have as coaches sometimes, and and they're not pleasant. Nobody looks forward to them, uh, but th- they have to be done. And if you don't do them, you're not gonna you're not going to go anywhere close to where you want to go. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. There's, it's never fun to have those conversations, but during the year you're going to have hopefully not many, but you're going to always going to have one or two tough conversations, depending on if it's moving someone up, they're not suiting up varsity or they're swinging back and forth JV varsity, or they didn't make JV or they got cut. Like those are, always tough for you because you don't want to do that to anybody correct but you also have to put your team in the best situation and you also maybe have to put that player in the best situation where they can succeed maybe they aren't going to succeed as a basketball player maybe you find a different role for them on the team mm-hmm. um, make the, have them be a manager or something um, but maybe safety wise it's not the best way for them to go. That's kind of one situation I guess you could look at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what's uh, what was on your list, buddy? I had, mine was kind of the Paul Westhead, Pat Riley situation. Okay. Uh, um, one, as a coach, as an assistant coach, head coach, you have to be able to trust each other. You have to be able to bounce ideas off each other. Um, don't burn bridges mm-hmm. um, amongst each other. You have to communicate, um, and then having trust in each other and what each other want, what each or each of you are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Now we're like we talked about with Westhead. He was a little off the ropes a little bit. He's kind of been back and forth. Um, I don't know how much. Pat Riley had to do with all that, or otherwise he was, they were just came to him because they saw him, mm-hmm. um, which that puts you in a tough situation, no matter who you are. Yeah. Um, hopefully if you're an assistant coach out there, if the AD comes to you, you're like, hold on, 
before anything's brought up, you're talking to the head coach before you talk to me. Yeah. Um, or same with a player, like, or if they come to you as an assistant first, if they come to you first, you're like, hey, I'm probably going to talk to head coach about this. So just so you know, it's going to be. Yeah. So everyone knows the situation. Um, but I think a coaching staff has to trust each other. They have to be able to communicate about any type of situation that's going on within the program. Yeah, agreed. And and again, I, we've talked about this between Riley and Westhead. Any good head coach is going to turn some of this stuff over, and he's going to delegate those type of things to his assistant coach. I, I, I don't see if, if you went to Kruger and said, hey – you know, Becky Smith is coming back from such and such injury. Uh, I'm going to do some extra work with her. I've been doing some extra work with her. I don't think Kruger's going to go, what'd you do that for? How come you do that? How come you didn't tell me? And he'd be like, he's going to be like, yeah, hey, that's awesome. I'm glad you're doing that. I think that's really good for us. And, 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 I, and I, you know, you're talking about Westhead, and, and here's what I wrote down, kind of piggybacking off of what you were saying, uh, Casey. And, and I like what you said about trust, don't burn any bridges. Leadership must be steady, consistent, and clearly communicated. And eventually, I think he kind of communicated what he wanted to with Riley, whether it was for better or for worse. But he didn't do it clearly or steady and consistently. Therefore, when he tried to clearly communicate, it got lost in the, the bushes because of the other things that had happened between the two, uh, the first couple of episodes, the first two and a half episodes of the season here. So uh, you got to be steady, you got to be consistent, and you have to clearly communicate to everybody around you when you are a leader that this is the direction we're going, this is what I need from you, this is your role, this is my expectations for you. When you don't do that, that's when you get into trouble. And So I think we're kind of piggybacking over off of one another pretty good there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's no different than what we were talking, what you brought up with having hard conversations. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to have not hard conversations with your coaching staff, but you got to have, you got to be open and have conversations with, professional. with each other. Yeah, professional, or it's very tough to go somewhere or continue to build off what you want to build with your program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one other thing. Uh, did you have anything else for this one? No, that was that was the main one that I had. Yeah. Uh, I think what we're starting to see with Magic, whether it's last week with the conversation with Riley in the ice tub, uh, or today with the Nixon conversation, I think we're seeing starting to see the evolution of a leader. And Magic is starting to get that I, I can't necessarily be everybody's friend, if I really want this to go where I want it to go, there's going to be some times where I'm just going to have to cut bait or, you know, draw a proverbial line in the sand. And I think he's doing this here with, uh, with, with Norm, with the conversation at Dr. Buss's house. Uh, and, and by the end of the book, reference number 10, I think, uh, you know, magic is, he is really Machiavellian. By the time he retired, Boy, if, if you couldn't produce, he had no time for you. Uh, the same way Jordan was, the same way Isaiah Thomas was. And, you know, he, but as we've seen through the first season and a half, it's taken some time for that to evolve into that. And I think that's kind of one of the things 
you know, if you go back through all 13 episodes, I've kind of enjoyed, you know, him kind of watching him go from this happy-go-lucky kid from Michigan State to this, you know, this guy that's kind of figuring it out. And, and he's had to go through some bad things in order to get through to the other side and, and see some good things. That will eventually happen with him, of course. So that's another thing I picked up on this week is, is encourage your, your uh, players that, you know, leadership isn't just born right away. Uh, it's going to be an evolution, and it's going to take time. And the earlier that you start teaching leadership within your program, you know, I've talked about this on, on different platforms of the podcast one of the mistakes I think I made in my previous job was, well, the seniors are here. They're supposed to be leaders now. And then you train them, so to speak, for that senior year. Well, that's too late. And so one of the things we've really focused in on at my new job is we start treating, or start training our kids to be leaders from day one. And we evolve them with that every step of the way. And I think you know, when it's time for it to become Magic's team here in the next season or two, it's this evolution that's going to take three, four, five years to get him to that point. And I think that's something we can take from this as well. Yeah, I like what you say there on not just putting all the leadership on seniors. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes, even though they're a senior, they may not be the most vocal leader or be someone that can fill that leadership shoes, the leadership shoes. You need to always look to find the best person for that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a junior or yeah, whatever. I mean, I think, I think that's really good. What you said, just trying to develop them early enough. So maybe when they do turn into a senior, they've, they've already got all those leadership skills in front of them. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, we're hoping it happens anyway. I think we're, right. we're working at it. We're working at it. So, yeah. Overall grade for the episode, Mr. Casey Hall. Uh, uh, go ahead. I had like a B minus, C plus in that range right there. Great minds. Once again, think alike. I had a C plus. I had a yeah. C plus. Um, like I said, I there weren't a lot of great scenes, but there weren't a lot of bad scenes. It was just. I would call it like a, a glue episode. It, it's hopefully going to connect a lot of things that we're going to see in the second half of the season, the evolution of the Celtics-Lakers rivalry. Uh, I did look ahead. They, they named some of the episodes coming up, and one of them is Beat LA, which I thought was, okay, that's cool. Uh, I like that. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of filler information on different topics. Uh, I really enjoyed the Larry Bird stuff. I know it was a step away from... I know it was a step away from the Lakers storyline, but it's so wrapped up in the storyline in the end that that I think it's okay to take 10 minutes or so in an episode and and kind of very quickly tell the backstory of Larry Bird and how it's going to eventually tie into Magic Johnson. So, um, so yeah, I gave it I gave it a C plus. I I didn't think anything was really great, but I didn't think anything other than the aforementioned Doctor Bus personal life scenes. Uh, with honey were bad. Uh, I just it was it was a connecting episode that hopefully will lead to other things that we'll really like. Yeah, I mean, like I text you today and I go, oh, I wasn't a fan of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it early this morning. I was up and then I got home from work and I kind of skimmed through it again and it 
it got better watching it the second time. Okay. Um, so that's why I was kind of in between after seeing it um, twice. But I, I, I do agree with you. Like, I was, when I was watching it this morning, I was kind of like, where are we going with this? Because we're not really – it was – I'd probably say half the episode is about Larry Bird. Yeah. And I was kind of like, where are we going with this? And I mean, I kind of see where the built up is um, with the rivalry and stuff. So hopefully, like you said, hopefully they continue to build off of that um, and get more into the rivalry mm-hmm. of those two and the Celtics yep. and Lakers. But um, I thought it was, I thought, like you said, it was nothing horrible, but. Yeah. Uh, some of it was good. Little bit of a letdown based on what we thought of the first two episodes of the season. Yes. Yeah. You know. Uh, but hopefully, you know, even in our athletic primes, Casey, we had a bad game. You know, an average game every now and then. We we weren't great every night, were we? <laughs> no, not every night. Just just four out of five nights. <laughs> four out of five. There we go. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, Great stuff, as always. Uh, Casey and I are really excited to continue to do this. Uh, we're going to throw a little carrot out at the end of the stick here. Um, we uh, have been in a little bit of contact. We're keeping our fingers crossed that we might have a special guest on the pod here in the next couple of weeks. Um it would be really awesome if it did happen. We're, we're not going to tell you who it might be, uh, but it would be it would be a really cool thing. I guess would be the best way to describe it that if we could uh, get this particular person to join us, it would be it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'd be really awesome. Yeah, so fingers crossed, folks. Give us give us a, a little Irish luck, a little Boston Celtics uh, leprechaun here uh, to make that happen. We'll we'll see how it goes here. So. Uh, episode 13 of Winning Time, uh, The Second Coming. And like I said, a little glue episode. Hopefully it takes us to where we want to go. Casey and I will be back again next week, same same time, same place. And we will be breaking down the next episode. And we'll we'll just see. Looks like looks like Coach Westhead could be could be heading to the unemployment line here pretty soon, Casey. We 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 missed we missed that prediction. Well that's for sure. It's not looking good for him, but we said we like you said we've said that a few times now. Yeah, so uh, I think we're headed in that direction, and we'll see where it takes us. So, uh, Casey, as always, it's a blast talking to you on these deals. Uh, great to have you on here, uh, everybody uh, that's listening. Hope you enjoyed it, coaches. As always, let's be sure to hold our craft one day. <laughs> <laughs>